You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Nadia Dalamante's interview with the writer and director for Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, Kelly Fremont Craig. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. I'm here to speak to you today about your changing bodies. The blood is released through the vagina. Please, just do this one thing for me. We just be normal and regular like everybody else. Just please, 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 please. Hi, so it's Nadia with Next Best Picture. How are you doing today? I'm doing so good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so, so, so much for speaking with me today, Kelly. It's such a pleasure, let me tell you, this moment to share it with you and to talk about Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. It is an instant coming-of-age classic movie, Kelly. Oh. <laughs> That's so kind. Thank you so much for saying that. Of course, of course. It, it, I feel like it's just—it's such a heartfelt ode to girlhood and womanhood. And I really wanted to start by saying that this is the movie I wish I had when I was a young girl. Oh. <laughs> yeah, Judy Bloom. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I was really awkward around Margaret's age, and so the little girl inside me and the woman I am today feels such a strong connection to this movie and your specificity and universality that you bring to it. It just felt like a big warm hug. So I just wanted to start by saying thank you for such inspiring work. Oh, that makes me so happy. You have no idea. I really, I, um, uh, I, uh. I read Judy Bloom growing up and sort of felt like so saved by her. You know, I was like, yeah. thank God someone is, someone is like saying all the things that I feel inside and, and like, and feel like I'm the only one, you know? Um, so yeah, it was really, really cool to get to make the movie and, and, and I did it in the hope that, you know, that the girls today would, would see it and feel like, oh, okay, I'm not, not the only one feeling this awkward, you know? Yeah, for sure. And it's definitely, you know, Judy Bloom, an icon in literature, one of the most beloved and timeless novels that you've adapted here. What was it about her material that you were most looking forward to exploring as a director and a writer and bringing it onto the screen? I think what's so incredible about her work and why it's so lasting is that she writes with such honesty. There's just a very raw, unfiltered realism to her work. And I think, well, I'll say I experienced that. I experienced her her work as really reassuring to me somebody putting all of those details down on paper made me feel like <laughs> so so comforted to know I I wasn't the only one you know I I think that's I think that's why her work is so you know is so universal and is so lasting she just she just says it all she says all the things that you're not allowed to say out, out loud you know yeah, absolutely. Was there anything that, looking back, that surprised you about the book along the way, or maybe something new that you discovered about it now that you maybe didn't know then during the filming process? Yes. 
Well, one of the big things that hit me was um, when I reread it, I, first of all, um, when I read it as an adult, I all of a sudden was very interested in Margaret's mom uh, and her grandma uh, because I'm a mom. Whereas I wasn't, I, I, I didn't, I didn't even notice the adult characters when I read it as a kid, you know, I was just interested in what Margaret and her friends were going through. But, um, but I was very much interested in that. And, and so a lot of what I wanted to do in the adaptation was, was build the adult characters out further and give them full lives. Um, Especially, especially Barbara, Margaret's mom, I really wanted to show how, in a lot of ways, motherhood is a coming of age. At least that's how I've experienced it. Do you have kids? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I, I, um, when I had my son, I had no idea how much my whole life and sense of self was going to change. <laughs> I just had no idea. And so, so I was eager to, to explore that somewhere because I also hadn't felt like I had seen I had seen that explored much, just like how, how much, um, motherhood, I think, especially as an artist becomes this negotiation between how much to give to yourself and your art and how much to give to your child, you know, um, it's, and that is, um, it's like, it's, it's a very complicated personal negotiation that you make with yourself every day. And I feel like constantly guilt-ridden and like I'm getting it wrong (laughs) and so um uh yeah so that that was really interesting to me to explore and also uh the other thing that struck me when I reread it was that Margaret is really asking these very big existential questions about life and about whether there's anything greater beyond us And, and that wasn't something that I remembered from the book at all you know I remembered I remembered the like we must increase our rust exercises and you know and stuff like that, <laughs> but I didn't know there's this whole the there's this whole spiritual journey at the center of it, um, and, and that really resonated with me when I when I reread it as an adult because I also looked back and I realized that that was the age that I started to ask larger existential questions and really really wonder what the purpose of all this was and if there was any sort of greater force in charge or, uh, or what. Yeah, definitely. There's so many different layers to unravel with the book and the movie. And I definitely felt that exploration with Barbara, who I love those scenes where you can see her, you know, she puts her art away, but she eventually returns to it when she sees the bird and the wind through the window I love all those moments like that, such detail to it. And I imagine there must have been a lot of pressure in tackling this, the universality of the story and balancing the tone. It deals with so many different emotions, particularly with young Margaret at the center of it all. Mm -hmm. Was there a moment of the movie that you found most important to get, really get right on screen? Mm. I actually think it, it more felt like trying to get all of the little details right and Mm -hmm. because I think all of those little things add up to the whole so so I actually don't know if there was one specific 
moment that it felt like, oh, we have to nail this um, as much as it felt like we have to nail all of it. I mean, you know, I yeah. mean, I guess that's the, I mean, just very daunting. Um, yeah. Although I will say, I, as I think about it now, though, I knew how important the last scene was for me. Um, it, it When I read the book, the last scene like gutted me. I mean, I just was like, I, I just, I just started bawling. And I was like, what has yeah. happened to me? I really didn't know. Like, I was like, what has this touched in me? Um, because whatever it is, it is deep. So I knew that I wanted, I knew that I had to deliver that feeling that I had when I read the book, I the film had to deliver that same feeling. So that was, that was super, that was super important. Yeah. Yeah. The, the ending definitely made me very emotional as well. And it made me think about the friendships, friendship groups and how they sort of shift, especially around that age when people are trying to find who they are and who they connect with. And all yeah. those details, yeah, all those details came together so beautifully. And um, it, it builds mm. character as well. It's really, really strong in that way. And every single character mm. feels so lived in and realized. Could you talk a bit mm. about your connection to the characters and working with such an incredible ensemble of actors yes yeah first of all it's so it's so exciting and such a gift to work with such talented people um because they make the work they elevate the scene every day with with their own ideas you know um and so I I had so much fun encouraging them to play and to color outside the lines and to improvise and to follow every impulse. You know, I, I feel like I'm always trying to create an environment on the set where everyone feels so completely safe to go for it and to try the crazy idea, you know? And I think that great art comes out of that kind of safety and freedom just feeling as if no matter what you do, you, you can't fail, you know, <laughs> like that, mm. that is, I, I think that's freeing and allows you to just um, access, access your best work within yourself. Um, so I'm always trying to um, create that, create that space and, and empower people in that way. Yeah. And I, I have to say, I'm, I'm so proud of the kid actors. Um, because they were so willing to just dive into the deep end with me. And again, I do, I, I, I push them to do a lot of improvising. I, I, a lot of times I say, okay, I know that's your monologue, but forget it, forget every word and just tell me the story in your own words, you know? Um, And that takes, you know, like there's, you, you just have to be, really in the moment and, and really self-trusting to do that as an actor and for these young actors to just go for it. I'm just so, so proud of them. There were certain moments where, um, for instance, when, when they see the, the picture in the anatomy book for the first time, that yes. scene is actually just, I, I opened the book to the penis and, then, <laughs> and I set up the camera and I said, say whatever comes to your mind when you see this. 
And so, so their reaction is really just what, you know, what came to their mind. <laughs> In fact, the, I think she, uh, she says, it looks like a thumb. That's just, that's yeah. just her, that's just her Im- improvisation. I could have never come up with, it looks like a thumb. <laughs> so, Yeah. But yeah, um, and and Rachel and Kathy and Benny were just, I mean, I I, I just just a, it's a dream when you get to work with people who are who are that talented. Yeah, they're all absolutely incredible in, in this movie. And I loved hearing about that improvisation because everything felt so natural throughout. Every your attention to detail combined with the improvisation, every bit of dialogue feels so real. One of my personal favorite moments is the shoes without socks. And just little details like yes. Yes. when she gets blisters on the way to school, which is exactly what her mom said it was going to happen. And then yes. she comes home and she asks where the band-aids are. Just little re- recollection of detail like that. It just felt so intimate. <laughs> I, yeah, I love, I am so, um, I'm so obsessed with little details. Um, to me, that's, um, that's what makes something feel like life. It's those little tiny things. Um, so I'm always going nuts over getting them right and, and probably driving everyone else nuts <laughs> in the process. <laughs> well, the, the detail can really be felt in every element of this movie, from the acting to the production design to the costumes. I, I, I was mm. thinking... Did you talk a little bit about your collaboration with the amazing Anne Roth and just visualizing the fabrics of the characters' lives? Yeah. You know, first of all, when you work with Anne Roth, you, you just instantly understand why she's the greatest of all time. Um, you just get it because she thinks so beyond the clothes she's thinking so deeply about every single character and uh you know how they grew up and what their background is and i mean she has these full backstories that she creates um that and, and all of them inform the clothes and you get these really rich conversations when you talk to her like one of the first conversations i had with her was when she said she said to me, you know, I think Margaret's the type of person that when she crosses her leg, her shoe falls off. <laughs> I just thought, yes, yes, that is exactly right. And yeah. so I actually shot a scene, well, one of the scenes where I tried to shoot that. It didn't, didn't end up making it in the movie, but the spirit of it was so right. You know, just like she just she was able to put the awkwardness of a person just so perfectly, you know, just in one, in one perfect little moment. And, and she just cared desperately about details. I mean, I, I I walked into the costume room um, one day and I saw she had put Margaret in one clean white sock and one dingy white sock. And I was like, I, that's exactly, exactly right for 11, 12 years old. That's exactly what you do. You know, don't you know that you're a grown up? I'm a grown up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days being a grown up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown Up podcast explores media, tech, 
toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) Yeah, it it really gave me the feeling that I could just picture all the characters rummaging through their closets to pick something to wear. You know, Mm -hmm. every, every outfit felt like an outfit that they chose to wear or that they maybe their parents made them wear, or it it just had a very personal feeling to it. Yes. Yeah. And she's also wonderful about, about the messiness of, of the clothes. Cause that's also, I, you know, like I can't stand if a, if a shirt looks like it's, it's never been through the wash. If it look, you know, I mean, it's one thing that's, it's supposed to be a brand new shirt, but like, but I think most of us, our clothes look like they've been through the laundry 500 times and they're a little faded and pilled, you know, things like that. And she is so on top of things like that, you know? Yeah, for sure. And it's just, it's absolutely beautiful to watch. And just thinking about the visualization of the movie, can you talk a little bit about your, cause I'm sure when you first read the book, you must maybe you visualize certain things that were jumping mm-hmm. off the page. Did any of mm-hmm. that kind of translate into the movie in a conscious way? Well, so I had a very interesting experience when I uh, when I first read it. When I was when I was ten in nineteen ninety, um, the book was twenty years old, but I had no idea it was. I thought like I I, I was positive it was written that same year. Because it just, it all felt so um, contemporary to me. It felt like there was nothing felt dated about it. So a lot of times when I was imagining things, I was imagining my own life, you know? And I think, I think actually that's what a lot of us who grew up with the book do. There's a, like you project yourself on Margaret or on, you know, or on one of the, one of the girls or kids. But when I was thinking about making the movie, what I, what I experienced and knew from the get-go was going to be a real challenge was how do, how do you create a look in the production design and in the costumes that feels both of the time, but also timeless? Because that's the experience of when you read the book. It feels, it feels contemporary, you know, but that's, uh, that's much harder to do in a film because you know you have to choose wallpaper and you and you have phones that are dated in a certain way and stuff like that so i uh so a lot of the conversations with steve sacklid and ann roth our costume designer uh, were about creating looks that felt like they could sort of be they could both be 1970, but they also could be 1980 or 1990 or 1960. Like there's like something that had this sort of like universal nostalgia to it rather than um, something that felt so specifically 1970. Um, my, my fantasy was that anyone seeing the film would have a feeling of nostalgia watching it. Like it would sort of feel like their childhood, even if they didn't grow up in 1970. Yeah, exactly. And I think capturing that relationship between feeling of the time, but also timeless, it just made me think about Margaret's room, for example, that room could be Mm -hmm. 
from so many different uh, so many different decades. Yes, yes, that's exactly yes. That that's ex- that was exactly what we were going for. You know, um, where you could you you could you could walk into that room today. You know, so yeah. I all all props to um, Steve Sacklid and uh, Selena Vanderbrink who did. Um, all the the set decorating so all the little tiny knickknacks and everything were all her and uh, and all just chosen with such care so much of her spirit is all over the film yeah it can definitely be felt throughout and 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 there is such a timeless quality to to this movie I imagine when I do have kids one day showing them this and um being excited to for them to see it what is your hope for the enduring quality of, of Are You There, Goddess Me, Margaret? Oh, gosh. You know, I hope people watch it and they're moved. Um, I hope they laugh. Uh, and most of all, I hope they relate. And regardless of if they have ever been a 12 year old girl or not, you know, um, I I think, I think that's honestly, uh, that's what's been so wonderful about putting out the film is the, the amount of people that see it and didn't think that it was going to be for them, you know, didn't think they were going to relate to it that actually find big pieces of themselves in it. That has been really, really wonderful to see. Yeah, and, and it's really great to have that relatability, not just with the kids, but also the the adult characters and people like Barbara and Sylvia, who are, I, I feel like the movie is just as much about their journeys as it, as it is to Margaret. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's, yeah, yeah, there, you know, um, I really wanted to show... Um, particularly with those women, the three, the three, three generations of women showing them all sort of coming of age in tandem in different ways, you know, they're all going through these kind of life transitions in, in tandem. I, and I think, and I think, gosh, um, I think Rachel in particular, there's, uh, there's just, there's something about like, particularly that scene where she's sitting at the kitchen table and she tells Margaret about everything that happened with her parents. That to me feels like such a, such a sort of big moment for both of them. And that actually wasn't in, wasn't in the book. It's sort of a background in the book, but like that scene isn't in the book, but it feels like it's both a, 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 a huge growth spurt for Margaret because it's this moment when you realize your parents are people who have pain, you know, that they've been hiding from you. And that's a big, that's a big turn. I mean, I remember that moment in, in my own life realizing, oh my gosh, like my parents aren't God. Like they, mm-hmm. they don't know everything. They're, they're just guessing in the same way I am. And then I think for Barbara's character, there's something what I experience in motherhood is that I am always trying to show up as the best version of myself for my kid. And often that means hiding all the things about myself (laughs) that I think are flawed. (laughs) Like I don't ever want him 
to have to carry any of my emotional baggage, you know, like that's, I never, ever want him to like, I, I always just want to be this pillar of strength for him. And I think in that moment, Barbara, as much as she's trying to keep up this, you know, air of strength and solidness, her humanity and her, her pain is like breaking through the cracks. And, um, That to me is also so much of what parenthood is and the coming of age of of parenthood. Um, Again, how do you both be your flawed, fucked up self and also (laughs) be this like perfect, solid, strong parent? Like it's real hard to do both, I find. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it was really interesting to see that dichotomy between her uh, as a mother and also just as a person and as an artist and all these facets to her character. I loved that journey, getting to go along with that journey with her all the way to the end when she, you kind of see her take a stance when saying she doesn't want to participate in the, uh, in the group activities yes. at the school anymore. <laughs> yes. I love that. <laughs> which is, which is something you cannot say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, I mean, there are many times I don't want to do these things. I don't want to volunteer to do these things. But I can never just say, I really don't want to do that because it sounds bad or boring or whatever. <laughs> like, I just don't want to. I, I like, you know, you have to make an excuse that like, oh, I would love to, but I have this, that or the other thing <laughs> or whatever. You can't just, it's because, because I think on some level, you can't say it because you fear that it will make you look like an uncaring mom. And and is there any worse crime than being a selfish mother? Or, you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing worse than that. There's nothing you want to be less than that. So I think that's also, I it, that's all wrapped up in there too. Yes, absolutely. And, and it's, it, it's such a layered example of storytelling because you get all of these different tones throughout how did you find that balance in in your writing and in the, in your direction well uh, well a lot of it i i have to say is you know it's in the dna of the book it's how judy bloom writes um and you know which is i've just admired her work for so long so a lot of it was just trying to make a film that really felt like an extension of of her book and, you know, and lived in that same tone. But, you know, I always, I I also always tend to lean towards comedy that feels like it's, it's coming out of something painful, you know? So I think, so I think they always feel like, you know, um, like the laughs and the heartbreak, like they just, it always feels like two sides of the same coin, you know? they go together in my mind, you know, especially when I'm writing, like the, the laughs always come out of something that hurt, you know, <laughs> for yeah. me, that's how I, at least in my head, that's how I put the, that's how I put the joke together. Yeah. But it, it's a beautiful, beautiful balance. And as is your, your first movie as well, the edge of 17, I just have to mention that to you. I absolutely love that movie as well. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so it is customary here at next best picture to ask, what do you have coming up next? If you're able to tell us what's, what's on your horizon? Yeah. Um, I'm actually, I'm in the middle of a writing period right now. I'm writing something that I've 
that I want to make next that I'm really excited about. So yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm like hunkered down at my laptop right now. So it's exciting. It's an original, it's an original thing. So. Oh, I'm very excited about that. I, I will be first in line. <laughs> oh, thank you. I, I'm, uh, I'm excited. It's, it's, uh, it's fun to be in that phase of um, just, you know, the, the writing phase is just so full of imagination and anything is possible. Um, and I always find that it's, it's equally exciting and terrifying and every, every emotion under the sun, but I love, but I love that roller coaster ride. Well, I'm looking forward to what that uh, ride will look like on screen. Uh, <laughs> oh. you, yeah. I, I'm really, really a big fan of, of, your work and this movie it, it really really is so meaningful to me it's so special I cried like a baby in the theater it oh. stays with me <laughs> I'm a huge I'm huge, so huge fan oh thank you so much thank you so much of course it's so, my pleasure so appreciate my- you taking the time of course thank you so so much for your time Kelly I absolutely love this movie again congratulations and oh, I like <laughs> You're welcome. Like I said before, I will be first in line to watch whatever you do next. You're such a talented uh, uh, writer and director, and I really cannot thank you enough for your time. Oh, thank you so much, Nadia. You totally made my day. Thank you. It's so great to talk to you. (laughs) So great to talk to you too, Kelly. All right. Okay. Have a great day. You too, Kelly. Have a beautiful one. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Nadia Dalamate's interview with the writer and director for Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret, Kelly from Uncraig, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret is up for your consideration for this year's Academy Awards in all eligible categories, including Best Picture, Best Supporting Actress for Rachel McAdams, and Best Adapted Screenplay for Kelly from Uncraig. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you all so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, 
the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.